Hi there. How's it going? Oh, goodness. I'm so excited. Uh, it's good. I'm here. I'm queer. I have had too many beers. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm in a I'm in a delicate headspace today. But you know what? I uh am very excited just on the general premise of where we're moving in life. Just spring is springing and soon it will be summer and soon I will feel comfortable and happy again. Yay. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> oh man. You know, one of these days, yeah. one of these days I'll find brain pills. Speak the words and it'll speak be true. Speak the words and it'll be true. If I speak the words to you, you will force me to make them true. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Any news on your front? Oh. I've applied to a whole bunch of education jobs. Hopefully by the time people hear this episode I'll have heard something, but until then, Hopefully. who's to say? <laughs> or I'll be ghosted once again. But you know what? That's fine. Um, It'll be my I'll birthday my... soon. Yeah. I think this will come out after my birthday. Yeah, I think so. But I'll have turned 26. So congratulations Yay. to this baby. To this yes. infant. <laughs> It'll be good. You will be my age then. Yes, and then you will be older than me again. Yeah, but not until November. Oh, <laughs> I apologize. I'm still on the Mona website, and I, I, I scrolled up, and it made too much noise. I apologize for that. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Oh, good. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And I'm Elena. And this is Bet You Wish This Was an Art Podcast. I have uh, some some interesting news uh, from over here. Please tell me. <laughs> that I would like to share with you. Please tell me. So this is old news by now, but by the time this episode comes out. But yesterday uh-huh. uh, in Maastricht, uh-huh. a boat docked. A boat. Uh-huh. A, a, a thing that, that floats in the water. Yes. Uh-huh. And it'll stay here until... The end of the week. Okay. So, like, for a week. Uh-huh. And it is a boat that on the inside is a Georgian Orthodox church. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> they knew you were there. <laughs> they knew I was here. They came for they me. They came for you. <laughs> they wanted to take you back. They knew... <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Do we know anything about it? Uh, nope. Uh, I know that they're, they said they're not here to preach. <laughs> they just docked and they'll be gone soon. Okay. And you're like... <laughs> and it looks very pretty on the inside. Have you been yet? No, not yet, but I will go. But I've seen the picture that Well, you have to go. Posted. You have to go and you have to document it for us. By the time people hear yeah. this, they will not know what we're talking about. But check the Instagram. It'll probably be the uh, highlights page. Yes, I will. Uh, if I if I go, I will. No, you definitely. have to go. <laughs> I I, sh- I have. You have to, to go. Yeah, it is your right. it is your birthright. <laughs> if I can film inside, I, I will definitely post it. Or then I will just post it. Well, a picture from the outside of the book. Do it all. Give us the live stream. I'll try. Give me give me I'll a try. a play by play because that sounds so cool. It is. <laughs>
Who would have thought? Who thunk it? That something like this would would exist. <laughs> well, I mean, I just... I, a, a traveling church. I like it. <laughs> well, every church is a traveling church, depending on who you talk to. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that word of God spreads fast. No, but that's so uh, cool. It is. Oh, I love it. Very uh, cool. Okay. Indeed. Well, I like that they're a boat in... Uh, and I mean, the Maastricht Canal is probably the best one to do it, or the Mas the Maastricht, the Mas, yeah, the Mas, the Mas, the Mas, the Mas. Man, I miss the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. You know what else I miss, Elena? Mm-hmm. Australia, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I miss all the places I am currently not, but I largely miss those two places specifically. Because you have been there, and you've lived there. I have, in both places. Yeah. 2019 was good to me. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> indeed, indeed it was. 2019 was before all Before everything to me. fell to shit. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> the before times. The before. I originally didn't know if we should do this episode. I know it was also partially like my suggestion and my push to do it. But then as you were like, okay, I was like, wait, maybe we shouldn't talk about Mona. (laughs) And not because the Mona isn't incredible. I think she's a lot of fun. But because like, it's a newer museum. And it's one not everyone would know about. And also like, with it being a private museum, it starts moving into some weird territories. And with it being in Tasmania has some interesting consequences. Uh, and, like, it's also Australian modernism, and it's very contemporary, and it's very new age, and it's very, uh, pretentious. <laughs> yeah. Very. So, so it's not necessarily, like, a well-known museum with a lot of clout doing a lot of good things for the world. I think it's neat. I would say so as well. It's neat. Yeah. I can't imagine this is going to be a long episode, but you know what? We'll be proven wrong by the end of it. <laughs> Probably, most likely. Whenever we, whenever we plan to make a short episode, or we think that the episode's going to come out short, it doesn't. It doesn't, and I don't know if it's because Never. we underestimate the power of our emotions, or if we underestimate <laughs> the actual content that we're looking at. Could be either one, to be honest. To be honest, <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, we have some fun things planned for y'all this summer. We we're going to get into it. Oh, I hope to one day be in the same room as my darling as we record a podcast together. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be so nice. Elena, I keep... It's fine. This is a segue. Uh, I keep keep (laughs) fantasizing about the idea of just taking the entire month of October off from work. Oh, that would be nice. That would be so (laughs) nice. Like, what if I just... Just do it. Just do it. What if I just put in the... what, What would they say to me? What could they say to me? No? Well, too bad. <laughs> I don't know. You're allowed to have vacation days. No? I am allowed to have vacation days. And nowhere does it say that I'm not allowed to be away for like X amount of months. I just want to be gone for a month. I just want I just want to be elsewhere. Because if they're like, well, why do you need it? I'll be like, well, it depends on where I go. Also, it's my hours. Yeah. You don't need to know why I'm taking a day off or, or a month off. A month off. Yeah. <laughs> Your work doesn't need to know. You never should. Your work you never, never needs have to, to know. tell them. 
Guys, if they ask you, they do not need to know. <laughs> so Mona. Let's get into it. <laughs> Mona, or the Museum of Old and New Art, is a museum located in Tasmania in Hobart. And it was created by this uh, millionaire, David Walsh. Is he a billionaire? No, he's only a millionaire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's what, I was like, Wait. that's what it goes to show you. You do not need to be a billionaire to have an art museum. Yep. And he, he made his millions gambling. <laughs> so anyone can be a millionaire. Anyone could be a, a millionaire. And that's fine. Potentially. Basically, what David Walsh did was just create this privately funded museum all by, well, not all by himself, of course, but pay for it all by himself. <laughs> and he, he, he does so much. He does so much. Fuck this man. Fuck this man. I love him. But, but what also the fuck? damn. <laughs> Do you know he runs the blog? I know he runs a lot of things. This man just does not stop. He does not stop. Oh, man. Uh, but he, uh, essentially, this museum houses a bunch of ancient, modern, and contemporary art uh, from David uh, Walsh's own private collection. Mm-hmm. And he noted for central... No, uh, This is a quote... Noted for its central themes of sex and death, the museum has been described by Walsh as subversive adult Disneyland. And of course it was. Of course it was. Of course it was. Uh, It's on par with the um, artists who shall not be named on this podcast, like his subversive Disneyland. Do you remember that? Do you mean Warhol? No, I mean Banksy. Banksy. Yeah. Please blank that out. Julieta. Do not let the B word come onto our podcast. The 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 man who shall not be named. The artistic concept who shall not be named or acknowledged by this podcast. Yeah. But it's essentially what it reminds me of when they were like, subversive adult to Disneyland. And I was like, oh, Banksy did it too. Shrug. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just wants to be a subversive adult Disneyland. But let me tell you, kids, if you want Disneyland to be subversive and adult, Make it subversive and adult. Just go to Disneyland. Those prices alone are an adult experience. Yeah. 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 Let's go to Disney. No. (laughs) Thanks. There's apparently a very cool park that has the same theme, but not is not Disney in the Netherlands. I believe it. And it's apparently very cool. So I want to go there. The, but not the Dutch would do it. Um, I think what's really cool about the Mona website is um, its own description about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Where it literally quotes itself as saying, like, quote, anything we say to describe Mona will date quickly, given we are constantly changing our mind about what Mona is. Possibilities include. <laughs> it's just so Go funny. Into it. <clears throat> David's fitness marker. Think of him as a peacock and his paintings as his feathers. We used to have a boy peacock at the museum, but it kept attacking blue cars. It's not on Mona anymore. It's gone to live on a lovely farm. Why why blue cars? I don't know. (laughs) Two, Disneyland with cocktails and a few works of 
quite good but not amazing Australian modernism. Three. A place to tie the knot and push the daisies. Four. <laughs> a purveyor of cheese toasties, among other culinary delights. That's a big boast. That's a big boast. <laughs> That's a big boast. To make a grilled cheese sandwich is not easy, okay? Don't get it twisted. <laughs> no, and that they're claiming that they're the best. I know. I'm going to need I'm going to need, some need evidence. I'm yes. going to need some proof and I don't ha- I should not have to dip it in something to make it good. I'm looking at you, David. <laughs> 5. Somewhere people can come and to say <clears throat> not sure about the art, but the architecture is amazing. 6. <laughs> nice spot to listen to some live music. 7. A really elaborative marketing stunt and 8. A really expensive kitchen garden. Divine. Hysterical. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Could be either one. Could be be any of those things. Could be all of them. I really like a really elaborate marketing stunt because that's always what it feels like. Yeah. That's that's very on point. That's like uh, breaking the fourth wall on point. That's just good. And, And what's interesting about him is the fact that Again, because of the fact that this is largely David writing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but also yeah. like his whole team, right, is is so on brand with this concept of like we're just gonna be snarky. Yeah, we're we're here to have a sense of humor, and we're here to have a, a good time had by all. <laughs> and you know what? I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I like it. I like the concept. David annoys me a bit. Dave, but well, who who amongst us? <laughs> who amongst us is uh is worth it? I think certain things they do are really cool, and we'll get into it. Let's discuss who David is for. God, who just, is just, David? Just who is this uh <laughs> illustrious owner of uh the Mona? Well, he's a professional gambler, art collector, and businessman. <laughs> Uh, as his Wikipedia page says. <laughs> I wonder if he wrote his own wiki. No, you can't do that. You can. Well, you can. You can, but then they get on you for doing it. Not really. I think you still can. Oh. Depends on what email you're using. Does depend on what email no? you're using. As long as it's not david.walsh at gmail.com, I think you'd <laughs> yeah. be fine. I think so. <laughs> but he is from Hobart itself. He's from Tasmania, and he he is the youngest of three he went to uh, Dominic College and the University of Tasmania, where he studied math and computer science, uh, but briefly. Mm-hmm. And he made his fortune by developing a gambling system used to bet on horse racing and other sports. And <laughs> he describes himself as, quote, rabid atheist. And he's been married twice and has three children from different relationships. Yes. That's just like the basic intro to who he is. That is that is kind of the basics of David. Um, but think like he also has this vision for transforming Tasmania, right? Yeah. And not necessarily in, in such a dramatic way, but by cultivating and developing and creating this kind of art museum, he is in a sense transforming the island he is 
And it's we'll talk about what effects the museum has had on Tasmania yes. so far. Uh, but a bunch. A bunch. Just a, a little spoiler, but a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> the museum itself was not created out of nothing. It was originally yeah. the Morilla Museum of Antiquities. Yep. That Walsh had uh like founded back in two thousand one. It was yeah. just to be a collection space, like a lot of good private art museums. It was just to be a little collection space of art and his art and a place to, um, you know, keep his stuff, largely. Mm-hmm. But Basically. by tw- 2006, Walsh, like, shut down the museum and underwent a $75 million renovation to create, ultimately, the Museum of Old and New Art. Um, yep. This coincided with the third. Oh, what was Mofo? It's festival music festival. Isn't right? it the music festival? Mona Mofo. Festivals are a bit later in the festivals notes. Are a bitch. <laughs> the dark Mofo is is a fe- music festival. No, but that's FOMA. No, there's both. There's FOMA. That's during the summer, and there's dark Mofa. Mofo. <laughs> dark Mofo. Uh, <laughs> and uh, during the winter time. And that's just the. The Mona Festival, right? Yeah, both of them are Mona Festivals. They're both of them are music festivals. Dark Mofo and Mona Foma. I don't know why my brain cannot wrap around this, but this is fine. <laughs> oh man! Um, but essentially, the museum opened on January twenty first, two thousand eleven. And the opening party was attended by 1,350 invited guests and another 2,500 members of the public were selected by random ballot for the evening. Which would be a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. if we're being honest. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I would like to be among those people. (laughs) As an Australia Day honors in 2016, David was made an officer of the Order of Australia for his distinguished service to the visual arts through the establishment of Mona and as a supporter of cultural, charitable, sporting, and educational groups. The Australia Day Honours is one of the highest honours you can receive as a civilian in the Australian hierarchy. So that's very Mm. exciting. Good for him. It's very cool. Yeah. (laughs) And and to a large degree, well-earned. There is something about his commitment to the arts and also to this weird experiment of a museum that i think works yeah. really well yeah but much like much like his own point this place is definitely somewhere people can come say not sure about the art but the architecture is amazing because the architecture is amazing it's it's really cool it's that very <laughs> modern kind of vibe right where it's just Yet like old also yeah it's good <laughs> it's good let's get into it yeah, so the most of the building is underground, and there's only one level that is above ground, mm-hmm. and there's three more below. But they chose to make it this way so that uh, the the surrounding environment would stay the same, so it wouldn't like dominate over everything. But basically, the whole museum space, as soon as you start going down, it's just. <laughs> how do i say this it's, it's it's underground so no windows no anything it's t- like a bunch of tunnels and a bunch of rooms and you have no specific guide to where you should go you can go literally anywhere 
and it has this giant like uh staircase that goes down and it's spiral as well and so the the building was built by Fender Katsalidis uh a design company and Walsh himself said that he wanted the building that quote could sneak up on visitors rather than bro- broadcast its presence and that would a sense of danger that would enliven the experience of viewing art. It's it's very ominous looking if you see the pictures of what it looks oh, like yeah. on the inside. There's a bunch of these tunnels and all, like the walls are natural rock and it's like uh very bright I, I don't know what how to, how to say it. <laughs> Do you remember when we it's, went to that Christmas market in a cave? Yes. I think it's very much so like that. I think so. I think it would be more claustrophobic than that. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe not, you know, because if the whole thing is done intentionally, right, you're you're walking down this like endless flight of stairs and you are engaging in that thing that a lot of artists really enjoy which is the transformation, well, that a lot of people really enjoy, which is the transformation of a space Mm. and not to get so obnoxious about it. But there is something about playing with the concept of transforming spaces and creating magical spaces or creating like religious spaces, right? Where you Mm -hmm. separate yourself from the outside world. And what's a better way to do that than to not give anyone windows? (laughs) And yeah, that's that's fair to not give anyone <laughs> real maps, right? Yeah, we'll we'll get into the O in a second. But like, if if your entire user experience is whatever you make of it, you have some really interesting concepts. Plus, like the the Mona itself isn't isn't just the the museum, right? You also have yeah Roy Groundhouses on the property. You also have a winery, a brewery, a restaurant, and a hotel. You mm-hmm. also have like, you know, there's there's so much available. That's true. That I think is really cool. It's very cool. One one critic compared it to going down into Petra. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I like that. <laughs> well, you know, if Petra is in a cave in the, like at the bottom of a uh is at the bottom of yeah, the but you can't really yeah. you can't really compare it to Petra because Petra is more detailed as in when they were building the uh, the architecture itself is very like um columns and very details and stuff like that not not you see none of that down in uh Mona because it's basically made into tunnels and made into to look very natural so yes not like someone tampered with it or nothing there's no columns or there's no anything like that it's just natural underground space and playing around with a lot of lighting yeah creating some spots that are hot spots some spots that are near pitch black other places with various subtle lighting and dramatic colors and all this other stuff and for the large part it's well received i think if you know that you're going to the mona you know what you're getting yourself into yeah, but um, hmm. but there's this one uh, person, this uh, Jennifer Nichols, who is from the Australian Institute of Architects, and she has a really good quote about Mona and what it 
means to have something like this exist. And she says, quote, what Mona has done is made us appreciate what excellent design can do for a business proposition, really. You can have a museum anywhere with varying degrees of success, but look at the incredibly excellent examples around the world. Whether it's Tate or the Guggenheim or the Louvre, they are housed within extraordinary architecture that in some way further tells the story. I thought that was a really cool quote because when I envisioned yeah. the Guggenheim, be it Bilbao or New York, you really mm-hmm. get a sense for the space defines the the experience. Yeah. And I think that's totally what Mona offers as well. Because uh, the, the collection, the art collection of David is very... He specifically... Uh, from, from what I've seen of the things that they have in at Mona that they showcase, it's a lot of shock factor art yes. pieces. A lot of provoking art pieces. Well, and like you said, a lot of his work revolves around the themes of sex and death. Which already yeah. are like really dramatic and in your face and provoking exactly. kinds of concepts. Exactly. It kind of fits with the space that also the space is weird. <laughs> Just like the art is weird. <laughs> Just like the owner is weird. Just like the owner is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and the museum houses over 1,900 artworks. And yeah, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> Should we name a few? Let's do it. (laughs) So the notable works in its inaugural exhibition, Monanism, (laughs) included Australia's largest modernist artworks, uh, Sydney Nolan's Snake Mural, that was displayed publicly for the first time. And then we have Wim Delvoye's Cloaca Professional. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, which is a machine that replicates human digestive system and turns food into feces every day. And we will recounter Wim some more. We'll come back to Wim when we talk about Tim. But we've got, (laughs) um, but we also have Stephen Chenabrook's On the Road to Heaven, The Highway to Hell, which Mm -hmm. is the uh, remains of a a suicider bomber cast in dark chocolate. Uh, yeah. And Chris Ophelia's The Holy Virgin Mary, which was created partially with elephant dung. The collection was valued in 2011 at more than $100 million. So if you wanted a clear image <laughs> of what kind of, what type of works uh, David gravitates towards. It's not great, uh, but it it's it's unique. It's the shock factor, right? It is the shock factor. And he's not the only museum slash collector to of do so. Of course not. There of is something not. to be said about the Mona doing any of this, because the Mona already establishes itself as being the largest, largest private art museum in the Southern Hemisphere. It is Australia's mm-hmm. largest art private art museum, that's for sure. And yeah. you create this dichotomy of inaccessibility while also being extremely accessible. We talk about this briefly in the abstract expressionist episode we just did, but there's there's something about not knowing what you're looking at that can be really disorienting for for people. And obviously, if you learn about it, then you have a better chance of 
adopting to it. But, you know, for, for the large part, the only point of access you have to the art is the O. Yeah. Let's talk about the O. <laughs> so the Mona. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. The Mona is it's very cool. Is uh, avant-garde, let's say, <laughs> in their approach to displaying art. If the traditional mentality behind art is that it be chronological and you throw a bunch of labels and tombstones up next to some pieces just so people feel like they can comfortably navigate an area, the Mona does not do this. No. Instead, the artworks are dis- are on display in a non-chronological order and without museum labels, which you'd think would be uh, a problem. You would think. But then there's O. And there's <laughs> O. Basically, it's like uh, an iPod, kind of, mm-hmm. that you you get this, this iPod as you enter the museum, and you also get free headphones. And this iPod has a GPS system built into it that tracks where you are inside of the museum and tells you the displays infor- displays the information of the artworks that you are close to and it's uh, they w- with covid and everything they made it into an app they no longer hand out the os uh the ipods you can just download it the app on your phone and you have to bring your own headphones but otherwise all the functions are the same i think <laughs> Uh, uh, the O itself has different menus that you can interact with or different things you can get about the information you can get about the artwork that you're looking at. For example, just like a brief summary or curator's notes, which is called Art Wank. I was going to say, <laughs> if you get through this without explaining uh, what these are actually <laughs> called, I will be upset. <laughs> yeah. So first is summary. Which is the brief description. Then it's Art Wank, which is the curator's notes. The Gonzo, which is Walsh's personal opinions and stories. Ideas, which is the quotes and talking points. And Media, which is uh, oftentimes interviews with the artists themselves. And what's also unique about the O is that you have a chance or an option to love or hate the art which yes. uh is pretty cool. And if you if you love the art piece, if you press that you love the art piece, then they can send it to you later. The system at least in the beginning was a bit flawed from what I saw. I don't know how it is now, mm-hmm. but it is that when you press that oh I like this, then they send you like a newsletter or like a like an email of all of the things that you pressed liked on, which is very cool if it works. <laughs> yeah. I would like to v- revisit my visit. <laughs> I think the concept is fantastic. And also, like, they have a comments feature for, quote, mm. you can leave comments to really vent your spleen, <laughs> end quote. Uh, it's yeah interesting. I like the user interface a lot i really like how the museum plays with uh people when it opened it was free for everyone 
It was free for everyone for a long time until they switched it to the people who are tourists and who are coming to Tasmania. They have to pay an interest fee. An interest fee. It's not that bad. But it's like thirty Australian dollars. Yeah, but the people from Tasmania themselves, for them, it's free always. Yeah. So I think that's also very cool. It it, it kind of encourages the community to get involved since it's free access and and, and also like engage on any any time you want to, and you just know that it's there. And I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I also like the fact that the humor behind it is fun. Like, it's definitely got a lot of that tongue-in-cheek, slapstick, dry humor. It has a lot of snark, <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. Um, it lives up to the art, I think. And and they don't try to... They, they want you to know that. Yeah. They want you to know that they, they take themselves seriously, but not really seriously. For example, sign. Yeah. The Eternity the Membership. Sign. Oh, yeah. That exists. I've not found <laughs> the exact numbers for it. But for example, if you subscribe to their Eternity Membership program, not only do you get lifetime free admission, but it also notably earns members the rights to be cremated and have their remains housed in the Mona Cemetery. Wow. <laughs> That's just, wow. I mean, I would get it. Are you surprised? I would get it. I would get it. Even if it cost me the cost of a funeral, it could be fun. That is very fun. Yeah. I mean, considering the weird stuff that happens at this museum, that's the least of my concerns. We still have to talk about Tim. 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 <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't know about that. I knew about him or the fact that. I knew that someone got a tattoo on his back and it was sold, but I didn't know anything else. And I'm shooketh. <laughs> so if you don't have the honor of knowing Tim, it's um it's a fun and unique piece with quote literal skin in the game. Mm. It's another Wim uh Wim Devoyer uh piece, that same man who made a machine that literally shits things out. Mm -hmm. That same guy. He's also a tattoo artist. Um and back yeah. in 2008, he was looking for a human canvas for this piece. At the time, this man's girlfriend this girl goes, oh, my partner is a tattoo artist and he's interested in having a back piece. Sit mm -hmm. and talk. And so Wim and Tim meet and Tim agrees to be Wim's human canvas, which is interesting. I wonder if he regretted that. If you talk to him now, I sincerely doubt it. <laughs> well, he's also, I don't know. He's fine. He's a great. It's it's fine. We'll get into it. Um, the back the 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 back tattoo is kind of simple. It's a Madonna figure along the spine and a myriad of other like religious figures. It's a very traditional Christian iconography back tattoo. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a skull at the nape of the neck. There's the Madonna in her you know prayer pose. It's 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 a fine back tattoo. 
And since 2006, even, Tim has been, you know, showing off this piece. And it was one of those, as the tattoo progressed, Tim became more and more of a human canvas. And when it was completed, a German collector and curator, Rick Ranking, purchased, get this, purchased the art piece <laughs> for $150,000. I'm sorry, euros. Yep. And Tim collected yep. a third of the sales price, which is, I mean, decent. Um, but here's yeah. the caveat. Rick owns the tattoo, meaning that when Tim eventually dies, his skin will be removed and preserved as a canvas. Uh, um, until uh, then, uh, as a part of the contract, Tim has agreed to sit in galleries at least three times a year. And since 2011, he has come to work at the Museum of Old and New Art for seasons that can last anywhere between three and six months at a time. <laughs> He'll go and he <laughs> sits in November and he leaves in April. That's insane. Uh, he's there every day except Tuesdays when the museum is closed. And he sits for almost 12 hours a day. <laughs> and if you think that's weird, it is weird. Because essentially what you're doing is he goes and he sits on a little plinth, just a little podium. And he sits down shirtless with, uh, what's it called? With earplugs in his ear. And he looks straight ahead, and he does not engage. And all you can see is his back. And the way that they light it is they put the hot spot on the back tattoo and then leave mm -hmm. the rest of it, like, you know, so that he falls in shadow. It reminds me a lot of Abramovich. And I think he takes a lot of – Tim specifically takes a lot of inspiration from Abramovich because, as we talked about for her, when she did performance art and when she does performance art, she – physically puts herself into the role and all of the struggles and all of the pain and all of the suffering all of that is mitigated by her ability to focus and push past it it's what makes her such a, a fantastic performing artist tim also uses his his shift as kind of like a a moment of deep focus it's not meditation per se but it is that like emptying of mind and sitting in silence so that his brain can process what his body thinks and feels and then moves past it he's so cool um and they've done a couple of interviews with him apparently they've done a movie about him too apparently apparently it's dominated for an oscar oh i believe that he's he's a fascinating <laughs> character who's doing an interesting job but he recognizes that what he does is bizarre and i think that's also why he gets along with david so well yeah he remain he has his autonomy as a human being i don't know this per se but i believe the museum pays him a salary hopefully i don't know I know he definitely because has housing provided for him, but I don't know about the rest of it. They, uh, yeah, it's not clear, but it says on certain, in certain articles that he makes a living sitting. 
So, so just that wording convinces me that maybe they're they're paying him. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> he has to sit twelve hours, and he himself said that he's in constant mental and physical pain from sitting for twelve hours. And he really only did make like fifty k off the. Uh, Is that enough of the sale to be? To be like this for the rest of your life? Is it enough to have your back filleted when you die? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's a really interesting picture. So Wim also did uh, tattoos on pig skins uh, or on pigs. Um, And when they died, their bodies were very similarly skinned and preserved as canvas. And there's a picture of... There's a picture of Tim standing in front of these canvases, just like contemplating it. And I'm like, sir, (laughs) sir, 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 this is your future. Sir, you chose this. Um, Fun facts about Tim. During COVID, Mm -hmm. the museum obviously shut down, but he asked David if he could finish out his, uh, his contract. So for, I think, two months, he sat alone at the museum and continued his live stream. Just wow. And then when that was over, he left for uh, Germany um, in April of 2020. And in November of 2020, he continued to be, quote unquote, on display for the Museum of Old and New Art, but he live streamed it from Frankfurt during his usual Australian hours. Now, oh. <laughs> as a fast reminder for uh, how time zones work, it is currently nearly 6 a.m. in Australia right now. Elena, what time is it for you? It's 10. Yeah. Almost. PM? PM. Yeah. For you? No. For me, it's uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Yeah. Or thereabouts. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's yep. it's one of those things. That's time zones. That's time with zones. With But <laughs> like, what's interesting there is that he would do the thing where he is up all night and sleeps all day and royally fuck up a sleep schedule. Oh, yeah. Just so that he could perform for the museum. I think at this point he's addicted to it. I, You know what? He has to be at this point. I think he just loves being art. Yeah. Um, both Tim and the Mona hope that but the next time he sits for them in November, it will be in Hobart. I am concerned for Tim. <laughs> you really are. I you were not happy about this when I said this. I'm not happy at all. Because, <laughs> sure, I mean, his back has art on it, but he is not art himself. He is a human. He who is a human. human needs. Who physically cannot sit 12 hours a day and not be permanently damaged after some point in life. And I'm concerned for him. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I mean, I get it, art performance. I I like art, as you might know. (laughs) But also, humans are are important. (laughs) Please don't damage yourself permanently for something like this. He's having a good time. But but <laughs> five years is gonna be so fucked. It's gonna be so fucked. Well, considering he's been doing this since like 
2011. Ten years he's, strong. He's already fucked. He says he's all, always in physical pain. Ten years strong, baby. Ten years strong. Ugh. <laughs> My back is just hurting thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, no, you could not do this. No, no. You could not do this, and I would hope you never do. I hope so, too. I would not get a back tattoo and sell that art, art that tattoo. <laughs> I'd rather just sell my kidney. But festivals. But festivals, because the Mona is more than just art. We also have yes. to have creativity. So Mona has uh, two festivals that are hosted annually. One is the Mona Foma, which is held in the summer, usually. And then it's, uh, there's the Dark Mofo, which is the winter counterpart. This whole festival is, invites a lot of musicians. There's live music and entertainment. There's a bunch of extensive public art exhibitions uh, and uh, food and drink. And uh, it's it's a festival and art. (laughs) Yes. Uh, and tourists that come to Dark Mofo, there are a lot of tourists that come from for these festivals, as well as, of course, the museum itself. And it's partially funded by the government because of how much revenue that it, it gets. So Mona Foma received $3.3 million in state funding from 2010 to 2021. And by the time this year's festival happens, Dark Mofo will have received $15.6 million yes. since it began in 2013. Almost 20,000 people, uh, including the participants and organizers, usually travel to, uh, or travel to Tasmania for the 2019 Dark Mofo. And the revenue... Uh, was estimated for $20.7 million. Since the last year's Dark Mofo was cancelled, this year it's going to be in June. It's starting on 16th June until 22nd of June. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. And the whole museum and the and the festivals and everything that it offers has brought so much attention to Tasmania to uh, that it kind of became known as the Mona effect because there was a decline in visitors to Tasmania in 2011 but since then there's been a steady rise so from like 9 900,000 visitors in 2012 in 2019, they had 1.35 million visitors. So people like, like it. <laughs> people like it. People like it so much. The fact that it's also like private, privately owned, and that it can be sure it's at, at some level, some parts of it are state funded, like the festival itself, um, partially state partially. funded. And, but but the rest of it is privately funded. The rest of it is entirely by David Walsh, plus minus. <laughs> but the, that fact is just gives you this type of freedom that you don't get with other museums. 
And you can see that David likes to experiment with this freedom that he is given to do like random stuff, to do outlandish stuff that would <laughs> not happen or not, would not be shown in a regular museum setting. It kind of also opens this space up to more people because museums themselves have this untouchable feel to a lot of people, sadly, where it's very elitist still and it's very closed off to a lot of the communities of the area where the museum is. But here you have more opportunity to experiment with it. Well, but that also then leaves you more room for controversy. Oh, yeah. And, and while controversy in general is a thing that just comes and goes with all things, we've, we've talked about it in many ways, but more recently, uh, we've run into some, some interesting news and backlash from one piece that was supposed to take place during Dark Mofo, which was called Union Jack. Um, the project itself was by Spanish artist Santiago Sierra, uh, who was meant to be one of the major acts for the festival in June. The festival organizers had invited expressions of interest from First Nations people who had been colonized by the British Empire to donate their blood into which the Union Jack flag would be immersed and then later put on show. Um, I don't know why they needed telling that this was a bad idea. <laughs> and David uh, admits that he approved it without much thought. Yeah. But um, <laughs> a lot of the criticism is directed towards the the curator, yeah, Lake Carmichael. And to this day, a lot of First Nations people are protesting that he be removed and uh, that... That Mona faces consequences for, for even considering such a thing. Yeah, Lee. So he's Lee not very liked. <laughs> he's not very liked. No, there's there was a lot there was a lot to it, right? First of all, let's ask a whole bunch of First Nations people to donate their blood so that we can dip a flag in it and then put it on display at an art museum for public consumption. Yeah, that's how does that not sound problematic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who heard this and said it was a good idea? Uh, Carmichael himself also uh, <laughs> took a step yeah, back course. and was like, actually, we heard the community's response. Quote, we've heard the community's response to Santiago Sierra's union flag. Uh, in the end, the hurt that will be caused by proceeding isn't worth it. We made a mistake and take full responsibility. The project will be canceled. We apologize to all First Nations people for any hurt that, that, has, this been, that has been caused. We are sorry. Uh, if but imagine, imagine they would have gone through with it if it hadn't, you know, caused such a backlash, which is also just baffling to me. But then, who would donate the blood if it was already causing that much but backlash? I don't know. What would if they, they lie about I mean, it? I mean, <laughs> it could have been there. There, there are so many ways to get around the idea of dipping a thing in blood. It could have been fake just, blood. It could have been cow's blood. It could have been a lot of things. It could have, it could have been the artist's own blood. I don't recommend that. Just dip it in. Dip it in red paint. It'll give off the same message. Take a take a take a page out of Peta 
But also, like, but also, I don't. Know. I don't wow, <laughs> the, the the artwork itself is like, what? Why? No, uh, Aboriginal Heritage Officer Fiona Hamilton has also, oh yeah, made comment to to it, and she is someone who has actually worked, has has exhibited her own work as a part of Dark mm-hmm. Mofo in the past, and has acted as a consultant to the festival before. Um, yeah. And she says that the artwork should not have been commissioned in the first place, that Dark Mofo and, quote, particularly Lee Carmichael have made a really grave error of judgment around how this would resonate, particularly with First Nations people, not just in Tasmania, but around the world, end quote. Yeah. Yeah, duh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Talk about poor taste. Talk about poor taste. Talk about... A uh, bizarre interpretation, and I mean, obviously, once once the community responded, they did go, "Oh shit, we sorry, <laughs> my bad, it's gone now." But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of this that we still need to talk about moving forward. In that, you might be doing something that you think honors and commemorates and uh, empathizes with the indigenous experience, mm-hmm. but stuff like this becomes so tone deaf. Because you're not actually asking, hey, what would be a way to commiserate your, you know, what would commiserate the conquering? What would commiserate being uh, colonized? But also, if you want to talk about this topic, why use why use a colonizer? Random Spanish. Why use a colonizer? I just <laughs> as a Spaniard, it's it's like baffling to me. Here's someone who has no ties, no connection, and this isn't no. Don Santiago, obviously. There's there's a lot of interesting pieces behind it, and the concept is there, but wow. Wow, you know? I if you want if you if that's the theme you want to talk about, hire the people whose ancestors have experienced that. And Tasmania hire indigenous Tasmanian. And, uh, and, uh, and the people. thing is that, like, Tasmania has has little remnants of their own indigenous ancestry. It was one of the first mm-hmm. um, states of the Commonwealth to really thoroughly try to eliminate indigenous presence. So this uh, bloodletting project speaks to so many different uh, memories and lived experiences and just mind-boggling. Yeah. But obviously, 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 they did say that they're not going to do it and Dark Mofo will continue and we'll see how it proceeds and we'll respond back because I think by the time this comes out, yeah, yeah, there are us. We'll, we'll be able to talk about it more uh, yeah. moving forward and we'll see how it goes. We'll see indeed. But at least they've not lost their sense of humor amongst all of this controversy. Yeah. Elena, you found a really fun image. I did. <laughs> I found it on Google Images. I was just going through I was going through some images to like get a clearer picture of what the museum itself looked like. And in March 2021, 2021, uh, they posted this uh, some some person posted this picture that was taken outside of the museum which is a sign uh, which is a picture of a lawn and a sign on it and the sign says please no bring your own booze and food 
or we'll set the chickens on you. <laughs> That's so fun. The chickens. I'll set the chickens on you. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Do it. They're doing I'm a lot ready. of interesting, weird things. Uh, the Mona during the pandemic was pretty good. They had the Mona Victory Gardens where they literally tore up their quote unquote useless lawns to uh, create a, uh, a victory garden where the horticultural specialist for Mona, Ben, and American artist and also David's partner, Krisha Cayley, or KK, as she's referred to, created a both performance art piece slash victory garden. That was pretty cool. That was a lot of fun to uh, watch last year. Sounds sounds very cool. <laughs> it's very obnoxious. It, it's kind of fun. <laughs> That's, that describes Mona in and of itself. That does describe <laughs> Mona. Elena, thank you so much for doing this episode with me. Thank you too, Stephanie. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy kind of investigating museums with you. I always have. I always will. This is kind of our first uh, one museum discussion di- deep dive. Kind of. <laughs> well, uh, in podcast form. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, let us know if you guys liked this, because we can keep doing like museum dives. and We would love to do museum dives. It could be like a monthly thing or something like that. Would be fun. That was good. This is all good. But um, for more bizarre, sexual, and death-defying art updates, newsletters, transcripts, blog posts, and more, head on over to our website at bywrpod.com. You can also find us on Instagram at bywrpod. And on Twitter at BYWArtPod. You can also email us at BYWArtPod at gmail.com. And of course, you can check us out on Patreon. Our Patreon is the best way to support us if you like the, the work that we're doing here at BYWAC. Come say hi. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Sit still for 12 hours. Please don't. <laughs> and remember, when in doubt, titty out. Lovely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.